Whether you're an aspiring music business professional or a seasoned vet, every Thursday, the Music Business Podcast brings you the trends and tactics from some of the world's most innovative minds in music. I'm artist manager and consultant, Jordan Williams. And I'm Sam Heisel, co-founder of the music marketing and content production agency, Knox. We're not teachers. We're entertainment industry professionals, drinkers, wannabe comedians, and most importantly, fans. Welcome to the show. Jordan, what's happening, man? How are you feeling? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Very excited for our guest today. Rebecca Espinosa goes by the nickname Rebe. Uh, truly incredible person, incredible episode. She's currently leading a super strong team uh, within Universal Music Group. That's kind of in-house agency called 1824. Their creative solutions team that supports a lot of the internal labels and distributors within the, the kind of UMG family and umbrella. She acts as the, the senior director of marketing and programming for 1824. So I think in the episode, we dive into a lot of topics. I think she has a wealth of experience in supporting artists, supporting labels, um, from emerging acts to some truly world-class acts. She's been involved with projects with Pharrell, Beyonce, J. Cole, many more. What, what stood out to you in this episode, Jordan? Um, I think it's interesting talking to creatives that work in the music industry, because like we talked about in the episode, um, part of, you know, they're using a similar part of their brain as, as the artists do. You know, you can't, she says, you can't just walk into a room, ask someone for ideas, and then choose one by the time you leave. It takes a lot of stimulation in order to, to figure out what will work for the artist. So um, I love talking about that, talking about leading a creative team and making sure that people are improving as creatives is super interesting. Um, ways to think about the 100K budget on marketing that we'd like to ask people who, who work in the marketing field. Um, and I'm glad she you know illustrated a few creative campaigns she's worked on and, and how she's approached them to help them and their artistry success on those projects. So um, I think it's an all around super, super interesting interview. Um, I'll pat, you know, pat me and you on the back for answering the questions that we're able to get those answers as well, you know, but, um, she's honestly, so it, it like this interview, like blew me away. So I'm super, I'm super excited for people to hear about it, you know? Yeah. Well, well, let's get it. So without any further ado, Rebecca Espinosa. Rebe, how's it going? Welcome to the music business podcast. Thank you for uh, virtually coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Virtually coming out. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, you know, people, we 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 love we love being in person with people, but being able to do this over Zoom has made it a lot easier for us to connect with people. So, um, you know, a gift and a curse. But we all got our drinks here, and you know, hopefully, in one day we can do that in in real life without too much anxiety. So, yeah, I look forward to it. I look yeah, forward to it for sure. So, I guess just to get started, um, I think a big part of people's success and people like yourself are the value sets that actually they lead their lives with, um, and particularly as it pertains to their career, what those value sets are. So, I guess, like in general, at a high level, what do you think is the value set that has afforded you uh, afforded you the success you found in the music industry? Great question. Um, I'm a pretty naturally intuitive person, but I would say that that has definitely played to my favor um, and my success. I'm incredibly observant. So going into a room, seeing who kind of has the power in the room or, you know, who's more like the suit in the business, who's actually the music person, who's the culture person, being able to observe who is who um, and what kind of uh, people are actually trying to be a part of the forward movement of, of an artist or of a campaign or anything that I'm working on, I think has really afforded me um, any kind of success or just the ability to connect with people. When I say connect with them, like, can I connect with you on this particular project? Or can I see how my team or myself can be involved? Okay, I need to go to that person. 
for example, um, very early on, I think the person, one of the people we know in common is Drew DeLeon. When I first started working at UMG, I was going to the Def Jam meetings. Um, they were one of the labels that I, that I was overseeing at the time. I still do, but um, on a more intimate level then. And I noticed Drew in the room and was like, okay, he speaks up when he's talking digital. He speaks up about these particular campaigns. So I know that I need to connect him with these other people on my team to develop this kind of strategy. Um, and he was like, I've never been con contacted by anybody from your team before. So I think it's just really about being observant, um, that kind of intuitiveness. And I would say mentorship. Mentorship means a lot to me. Um, it's one of my favorite things about any role that I've ever had in any kind of leadership, but being able to help other people succeed, I think has, um, has made me even more successful. I think oftentimes a lot of people want to meet people and ask, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? I want to meet that person because I want to know what they can do for me, as opposed to going into a room and wondering what you can do for other people. So what can I provide to this person or this situation and to help it grow or help it advance, help it evolve. And those kind of questions, asking those kind of questions regularly um, have definitely paved a different kind of path for me. All right. First of all, that was a dope answer. So, second of all, I think something that is um, interesting about the answers that you said is that, you know, usually when people come on to this podcast and no disrespect to those people that answer this, but there's, there's some common answers, right? Like, be good to people, work hard, you know, those things. But I really like observant because that's a new one that we've gotten. And it's so important, right? Like being able to observe the landscape of not only the room you're in, but also the industry at large. I think that's, I may have to take that one. I may, I may have to, I may have to do an audit on my own value of, of, of observation and how well I do that, you know, because um, in my experience, you know, you go into a room and you get to know people, but going into the room and being intentional about let's figure out who the who the stockholders, the biggest stockholders are in this room, and then taking that to the next level and, and asking yourself, how now how can I help them before even asking for anything back? How can I help them? I just thought that was super dope. We're not even necessarily the biggest players in the room. Who are the mm -hmm. interns in the room, right? Yeah. People who are developing. Who are the people that I was sitting in that chair and I wish somebody would ask my opinion. Mm -hmm. I somebody would have asked for me to, you know, help out on that project. How do I, how do I include them on the next thing? Right. So sometimes I'd be like, Hey, um, if you're interested, we're going to host a brainstorm in my office three o'clock tomorrow. Come through if you're interested. Right. Like just right. trying to get as many people to feel that cultural movement as possible. Like, I don't really want to, deal with people unless I understand where you stand in this business. Mm. But I have to deal with a certain amount of people on a regular basis regardless, right? Like right. that's the nature of business. But right. there are certain people that you know that you can go to and you can build with. And those kind of people, I'm like, you know what? I definitely think three o'clock, my office, you're going to be able to add value to, to a brainstorm or conversation. So definitely let, let's, let's build upon that. So I, not even necessarily the biggest players in the room, but the people who are, you know, in the room that, in, in rooms that I was once in, that I wasn't right. necessarily called upon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, no, no, I think it's so important too, because I think a lot of times it's it's funny because people that have the best ideas, just giving people an opportunity to to step up, even if it's outside of their existing role or they're not necessarily on the, the core team. Like um, sometimes too, there's just a lot of like 
value in somebody when you're so deep on a project too, sometimes you just start to be um, like, I actually had a conversation with this guy that was actually one of the co-founders of like Palantir and like Palantir is like massive tech company that does yeah, like crazy stuff with regards to just like disrupting the fields of big data within government. And I asked him uh, like, do you think it, it's important to have, uh, industry experience in order to disrupt an industry. And he actually said he felt it was the contrary because he felt that the deeper you get in an industry, the more confined and jaded you get by the way things currently operate. So uh, I think that's even just on a, on a project to project level, being able to bring people with fresh minds, fresh perspectives can be such a valuable uh, opportunity. So valuable. I love that he said that because I think like we just brought in an entire new um, head of what we now call people inclusion and culture at UMG. And I'm so excited about that, that term in general. Um, but the entire, I shouldn't say the entire staff, a lot of the team came from the MBA. When I first met the, one of the guys that came over from the MBA, being a basketball lover myself, the mentality I could see was instantaneously different, right? But he was willing to approach it in a way that said, okay, I need to approach this music industry similar to how I approach people at the NBA, but I need to do it and I need to understand the players in the game. So even his analogies, even the way that he went about it, I love that he was from a completely different industry. Like, don't even, I don't want you to even know anything about it because if I can speak to you like a fan and I can speak to you as a strategist, then I'm going to be able, I can figure out the ins and outs, right? I, I know DSPs and I know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if I can speak to you as the consumer or if I can speak to you and get in your head about um, how you really care about music or care about people, I can build I can build off that more easily, more easily than people who are, like you said, jaded and caught up in the head. Yeah. In a timeline, constant timelines. Totally. Like, Please don't send me another timeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> my, um, my boss at my last job, actually, when I left, he called me um, a couple months later and was like, yo, do you mind if I talk to you more about the artists that we work with? And I was like, yeah, like, no problem. He was like, because you're not like in the weeds with them, I feel like you can have a brighter vision as to what is best for them. <laughs> like in a, in, a, in a way where you're not working so hard on your day to day, like you've gotten, you've, you've inched a little bit closer to the consumer. And it now that you know these artists and you're listening to them as a consumer, now is the time where I want to actually hear more of your opinion in that sector. He obviously listened to me before, but I just thought it was interesting that he was like, this is, this is an asset too. Like, like now that you're not like in the weeds with these artists, you have a perspective that no one has, which is the consumer, but you've also worked with them. So like, you know, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. How many good ideas have come out of that? Like <laughs> or, uh, when I was at Sony, Salam Remy had just started working there and I knew obviously of Salam, but, um, we weren't yet friends. And because he knew the kind of team I was on, he was like, yo, would love your perspective on this artist. Come listen to this music. And that's honestly where the friendship even began was like, yo, I have this fresh new sound. I got this fresh baseline. I have this, that, and the third come through and listen, you know, Papa Pellegrino, let's, you know, let this candle burn and just vibe out and tell me what you And from that, it's, it just became like a foundation of just good people and good music. And that was that, that was a f- real fresh perspective. That was right. different because it wasn't, there was no agenda behind it. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's dive deeper too on the, the 1824 side. Can you just kind of set the stage for starters with kind of in your own words, how does it really fit within the, the larger UMG ecosystem? And what are some of the kind of, the, yeah, how does it operate? What are the, the core functions? We'll start there. 
Yeah. Well, 1824 is UMG's like creative solutions team. We really operate in a way to connect artists with their fans or brands directly. Um, we focus primarily on storytelling um, experiences. We have a couple of ways that we do that, but those are the, that that's um, really being at the center of UMG. We service every single label, whether they are frontline or distri- or distributed. So we're a very busy team. Um, I was about to say, that's a lot of work. I was just about to say that. It is, it is. We're a 14-person management team um, and then have about 80 people who are part-time um, that focus on different verticals within 1824. We have content, we have press, we have creator partnerships, we have collegiate sports, we're developing playlisting, curation, um, A&R, you name it. So just trying to tackle, honestly, where does the bandwidth cut off at this at certain labels? Because we all know that labels are ridiculously busy and inundated with 3,000 projects at a, any given time. And honestly, where is the skill set kind of lack? And where can we be supplemental with that skill set to provide opportunity? Right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a lot. You guys, a lot. <laughs> you guys, you guys do a, a lot. lot. How do you, first of all, I guess, what are some of the campaigns that you recently worked on and what is like the equivalent to like the A&R process for figuring out which labels need help and how they need help? And and what does that pipeline look like? Well, it's a, it depends on it. So really we are working with the labels day and day to say, okay, they have these developing artists that there is a strong need to brainstorm, come up with fresh ideas, et cetera. I, for instance, even today put together a small task force of five to six people who are going to focus on one artist for the next six weeks and come up with certain ideas around that particular campaign. They might simultaneously be on five other teams or five other task forces or doing other campaigns that are, that are the Asian 24 is working on. But uh, we really take lead from what is priority from those labels and from that help build out supplemental plans, ideas, that will be helpful to that artist. I mean, we're literally in the weeds from the moment the artist gets signed and are a strategic part of that artist development process. Then hopefully we're working with them on album two, album three, album four, et cetera. But that, that first bit and the, that developing period is, is a super part, uh, is a huge part of where we play. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, and some so, recent campaigns. I'm sorry, you asked me that too. Yeah, I was thinking one of the things that I love most, and it actually isn't super, super recent, but one of the things that I love that we have done is with a band called Public. And Public um, signed to Island had an incredible hit song. And for some reason, the virality of it came back around like a few months later. And I love when songs do that. They're like, oh my gosh, this song's brand new. I'm like, nah, this song's been out for a year. Um, So when the song came back around, they're like, okay, maybe it's time to shoot a music video. Well, one of the guys on my team had the incredible idea because there was um, a smaller budget to say, hey, why don't we enlist creators to be a part of the cast of the music video? And in doing so, then we create assets for them. And then we create a whole music video virtual party that gives them an individual way to invite their friends to be. And that was um, ridiculously successful, Um, hit millions and millions of streams pretty quickly. And that connective part of it made it even better because it wasn't just something that was like, oh, and viral, it has, you know, hundreds of millions of streams. It was okay. It has hundreds of million streams, and we still have those relationships. 
there's right. no connective tissue there. So we still now have built not only a platform for these artists, but now we've built out something for these creators. Now we've built out a whole you know platform for these producers as well. So everybody got to rise with it, not just the artists. Right. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. When you think too about the, um, I, I guess one random question that sometimes you love to like poke around with is like, if you had a hundred K marketing budget for an emerging artist with an album dropping in like four or five months, like how would you allocate it? Cause I, I think there's like music videos, playlists, radio, this, that. So, I mean, it seems like you are able to operate from a, a holistic perspective, relatively speaking. So I'm, I'm very curious from your, like, how would you allocate that? Like if, uh, yeah. first of all, we never like that. Um, I, <laughs> At Sony and, and people, even now, so a lot of my friends that are across the business are like, yo, my artist has, you know, 80,000 for this music video. I'm like, 80 G's for a music video. Do you know what I could do with that on my team? I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel like that's honest. Let's give them a shine to that for a sec. Cause I feel like as a marketer, like speak a 10 K music video, put 70 K in ads and it's going to have way more quantifiable impact. <laughs> Let me get a but, personal curator. Let me hire yeah. somebody that will curate for you for the next six months. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, let me laughing. spend your money there. Right. Let me, let me spend it on um, like a personal style. We have so many artists that are in fashion now. Right. Why don't mm-hmm. we come spend it in like actually developing a, a brand with this artist? That's yeah. actually going to pay dividends in the long run, right? Mm-hmm. What about um, investments in certain areas? So $100,000, like, I mean, I think you said marketing budgets, so that's a little different, but $100,000 um, would, for one artist, just seems, um, at least for what we do at Agent 24, is, is such an incredible number. But for one artist, when you're talking about it at a specific label, it's actually not as much as we'd hope right? Mm-hmm. Money, money just, it just, it just goes out like you're at the club. Um, and <laughs> it's amazing how quickly you can spend a hundred K. But I think when we're being smart about it, uh, what, what I think we need to do more of, especially since the pandemic is be able to reel back how we're spending money and where is it actually being used? Cause I think for a long time there, we got so caught up in like, you just want to do as much as you can throw as much against the wall as possible. Right. So you just spend money, spend money, spend money but like noticing what's actually hitting and what's actually getting through to people is is where we need to spend the money. So is that in curation? Do you need to actually sit down with the person and understand, do they need to develop playlists? Do we need to invest in their social? Do we need to invest, like you said, in ads? Is it in on the brand side? I don't think um, the music videos need to be that in order to get translated. Like $80,000, $100,000 music video doesn't need to, you don't need to spend that much in order for your concept to be translated in the same way. Um, or just like, like, why are you hiring that dancer? Right. Maybe we need a different dancer. Maybe we should work with somebody who isn't, you know, that doesn't cost that kind of penny. Um, and I think the same message could come across, but what I would do with that, Sam, oh my gosh, now you have me thinking, let me submit back a plan to you. Cause a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> like it would, for one artist is incredible, Yeah. but I know that it, it goes, it goes faster than we think. Um, for one artist at, at a label, when you take, Everything into everything, yeah, for sure. Yeah, some people have um, also said like percentages when Sam asked that question. Like, mm-hmm. I put ten percent to radio, twenty percent to PR, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot of people with radio. I mean, I love radio. Don't get me wrong. I love my radio people. I have. Um, I owe a lot of my um, success to people who have been in on the radio side. But I just think we need to, in, in my world. I don't understand why DSPs and radio sit and sit separately. 
Mm. Why is playlisting and curation separate from radio? Why mm. is somebody who's curating, you know, songs driven by a label on a daily basis to play on the radio, not sitting with the same person that is curating a playlist for DSPs, right? right? Why aren't right. we looking and enlisting more DJs who we are, that are working at stations to be, you know, programmers. One of my favorite people, shout out to J1. J1 is one of my favorite people in the game because he was able to take his knowledge from radio and is now um, a key guy at Pandora, right? So you you took your your knowledge of the radio world and and programming and being the head of programming, and then we're able to apply it to um, to the playlisting world or to the um, to the DSP world. And I just think that that's they should sit in the same WhatsApp group. There's no reason for them to be in separate teams, if you ask. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that makes that makes total sense. Um, both of the, you know, the goals of both of them is to get as many listeners as possible to right. their channels, whatever channels that is, you know. Um, so it makes total sense. You know, um, you know, why isn't the Breakfast Club have a Breakfast Club Spotify uh, playlist? You know, that that would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Like mm-hmm. um one question I guess I have about like how 1824 is run. So like creative operations in general are so interesting to me because they can be run in so many different ways to get a creative result. I think it's actually really fun. It's one thing that I liked about working in artist management. It was like, let's just figure out the best way to get the best possible product out in the most creative way that we can think of. It's not necessarily like um there are plans, but driving away from those plans to create new plans and iterate off other plans is something that's like completely accepted because at the end of the day, you're just trying to be creative. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is, how do you as a business and as, you know, a manager of people in your role kind of facilitate that creativity among the members of your team? And how do you all make sure that your mind is fresh? Kind of like we talked about earlier with making sure that you're not too in the box with your ideas and making sure you don't get stale. What's some of the things you do to kind of keep your mind fresh, keep your team's mind fresh. And, um, you know, there may not be any necessarily accountability for if it's not fresh, like, but but if there is, um, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. I I wish more people kind of asked similar questions like that because the creative, you can't just, you can't just turn creativity on, right? Like somebody right. asked me to sit down, I, you know, watch the movies as a young girl. They go into these agencies and they would just be like, we need a great idea for this. And all of a sudden somebody would just be like, <laughs> I think it's awesome. And I wish I had that talent, but a lot of times I need to like, you know, I need to sift through the flour, right? I remember watching yeah. my mom all the time as, as a little girl sifting flour. And I had no idea what that meant when she's, she's a great baker. And I would be mm-hmm. like, "What? why are you sifting it? She's like, you kind of got to get through it. And being able to dive into a project or dive into an artist um, is, a, is a super big part of my creativity and enabling people on my team to be creative. So whether that is block time on my calendar, whether that is giving them enough background information or tools or music inspiration or time, um, I think we have to anticipate better lead time in this business. I think everything is now like Sam, what, Sam, what is you ASAP mean? When you said I was that. about to say <laughs> we were talking about all the, there's beautiful perspectives in other industries that I need to bring to music industry that that is one of them too <laughs> Sam I saw that smirky made when you said that <laughs> like yeah. ASAP lost its like has lost its whole meaning 
Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's in every it's like in most email. It used to be in like most emails, especially when I was in management. It was like, I'm gonna send it ASAP. It's like, okay, that's like the default. That's <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So. It has no value, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think um I think being able to just give my team time to come back to the table with something or as as a lead in the creative space to say, okay, let's lay out all these ideas. And okay, then I have to be able to ask the questions to build upon it. Okay, what if we went in this direction? What kind of ideas would we do with like, so let's say today we had a, a great conversation about Tusi, right? He want he has um, incredible music out. Okay, what's the what's the next plan? Okay, what if we laid out X, Y, and Z? Okay, if my team is now, their job is to go back to the drawing board and come up with something cool. At least a few ideas. Okay, if that idea is mediocre when I see it on Friday, right? It still needs a little juice. It still needs a little work. My job is to say, okay, what what are some of the other tools we have in our box? What are What is the creator partnerships angle? Or how do we use another tool to amplify this one? For instance, the same idea that I, or the, the same um, example I mentioned earlier, using influencers as a part of music video and being able to allocate it towards budget, right? Being able to use our animators to offset anything that we have on the lyric video side or being able to use um, our press squad to help amplify whatever we have going with this upcoming conference. Like if we have these, I do, we probably did 90 experiences, virtual experiences last year. Where is the anticipation for them? A lot of times things are like happening now, 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 now. Where are my creators that can be involved who want to also be a part of this, who might also be writers? They might be doing looks and hauls and all these all amazing things on TikTok and YouTube, but they might also do this. So are you having conversations with people who might also have a, an additional skill that we could use towards this? So I guess my my I, my roundabout way of saying is how do we use the, how do we utilize other aspects and other verticals within our team to build and help stimulate that creativity? Um, especially when you're a leader of it instead of like a person who's coming up with the core of the idea. Or if I have the nucleus of the idea, I'm looking for my team to kind of give it, you know, give it the leaves and give it the color. So I have to, I have to sift through it and I have to be able to give them something that they can build on. So if it, whatever that building block looks like, I just have to, I literally have to give myself time. I have to give myself enough lead time for the label because my timeline has to be anticipatory of what the label. So the label needs it on Monday, then I need to see it on Thursday so I can make corrections Friday and Saturday and then right. be able to deliver something on Monday. Right. Right. But that right. is that I have to backfill all of that based on, you know, what, whatever I'm being asked. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard. The creative space to me though, is the most exciting because yeah. fluid. Yeah. Your version of creative is different than my version of creative, mm -hmm. right? Where you're, what you have in your creative toolbox is different than mine, right? Or if I know what you are really good at, then I can say, well, Jordan, what about when you do this? Like that could work really well, right? Mm -hmm. well, we know this guy really loves amazing beanies. You're wearing an amazing scully right now. Where did you get it? How can we team up with that brand? Do you like the way that it fits? Do you like the way that it feels? Do you like the cotton, how it feels on your head? Okay, so what's the brand? How do we contact them? Let's get them on the phone. That's actually what happened with Telfar. Telfar, amazing bag brand. 
Um, and we wanted to team them up with a couple different artists. They are absolutely incredible. They have been incredibly um, um, responsive to all of our requests and all of our artists' um, pitches and collaboration. But it really is like, hey, we have an artist that's interested in this. And actually their mission teams up really well with yours. So how can we marry these two together? So I might not, again, have the, the idea complete, but we all have a little piece that we can come together. And then those kind of brainstorms, again, I'm a huge fan of those, coming together and building on it together, really being like, you know, um, a ship and how do we kind of, how, how do we make it go is, is a huge part of the creative process. It doesn't just come like that. I think a lot of people right. think that it just comes like that. It's comparable to like, creativity that I hear from artists, you know, <laughs> where they ask themselves, where they're curious, curious, they're so curious. They're like, why don't we just like, you just said, first of all, thank you for commenting on the Scully. But <laughs> anyway, um, you know, you just said the Scully you're wearing right now, where can we find that brand? I think that's part of, it's, it's similar to why don't we, you know, I was listening to an interview with Kanye West earlier today and he was talking about Yeezus and why he started his album with a bunch of distortion. And I feel like it's a similar process of being like, yo, why don't we just distort the shit out of this and put it at the beginning of the song? Like, why don't we just use some of the stuff we're actually wearing and the, and the brands that we're actually wearing to facilitate a creative campaign, you know? Um, and it's, it's, I feel like only creatives can do that. Like look around them and see the opportunities that they can bring to their campaigns and bring to their work, you know? Even with, um, even with organizations, because we work a lot with organizations, even looking around and asking our team to say, okay, we want you for the next, you know, 48 hours, your job is to find um, five organizations in your local area that are giving food to local residents or give five organizations that are providing opportunities job wise and or other for the LGBTQ community like finding different organizations, look around you and find out what can you have in your neighborhood? What are you wearing? How do I tap into you as a marketer into mm -hmm. what you're already doing? Right. So if you're, if you're in, if you love a certain genre of music or if you love a particular sound, where does that person shop? Right. Where does that person hang out? Where does that, what kind of Zooms is that person going to? What kind of clubhouse rooms is right. that person attending? I want somebody to literally give me an entire affinity sheet based on where does this person hang out? Where do they spend their money? Where do they spend their time? And how do they spend their energy? Right. Like, if, what do they love? And right. that's going to allow me to kind of sift through and find a creative way to, to tap into them. If, if I don't have, who they are. Like we were speaking to one artist the other day and he was like, I know exactly who my, who my fan is. I was like, all right, spit it. Who is it? And he's like, they do this. They shop here. Wow. They're typically an old soul. They like diving into lyrics, um, typically like family dinners. Like he went into a whole specific layout of who his fan is. And I was like, you just gave me seven different places that I can go and find your fan. And That's I can awesome. team up with those brands in those specific places and, or, you know, an event that can take place at one at a location or with an organization that is within that wheelhouse. Like right. somebody who knows their fan, that creativity can just get stimulated a little bit easier. People are just like, yo, they just like the music. I'm like, wonderful. <laughs> Great. They're, they're chill. They're chill as fuck. You know what I mean? That's all it is, man. They, you know, just like me. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So those people require a lot more digging, right? Yeah. You have to dig to actually get that person's attention or to pull out that information. Some artists are like that and I don't diss them for it, but it just requires me asking a lot more questions. So we've talked a lot about how to do creative, um, so, you know, how to facilitate creative solutions in a productive way. But what does growth look like in order to get to the point where you're feeling a little more confident in your uh, approach, um, in goal setting? So like, how does somebody get better at providing these creative solutions over time? How do, how does it, how do you get their mind to expand? How, do, how did yours expand over time? Like, what does growth look like in, in this particular field in general, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I look back at starting in the, in New York, in the music business in 2008, and now looking at it in 2021, I'm like, wow, the landscape is just vastly different, right? Mm -hmm. I was in 2008, an intern at Sony and trying to figure out how I was going to make it in New York. Um, Fast forward 2011, um, trying to figure out how to be in the business. I started working on the distribution side, just trying to get a job. Wasn't even interested in being on the distribution side, but got a gig on the distribution side and was a part of um, the Spotify integration into the U.S. I was um, helped lead the uh, the DSP side and the quality control side for like places like RDO and Deezer mm-hmm. and Rhapsody and all these different DSPs, mm-hmm. right? some of which don't even exist anymore, and some that are thriving. But to be a part of like that angle allowed me once I got to the label side to have an understanding of the process and being able to anticipate what somebody needs and when they need it. Because I know how people just think that like you put a song up on TuneCore and that shit goes up and everything (laughs) is like, you know, it's just butterflies. Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's a hell of a lot more work and, and um, quality control that goes into making sure that something goes live globally at one time. Right. And, Mm -hmm understanding and being a part of that intricate process, especially with an artist like, let's say Drake or Beyonce, they're like, um, um, hi, it's Wednesday. And I would like my album to drop on Friday. You're like, huh, okay. <laughs> that means our entire distribution team is working 24 hours for the next three days. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and understanding what that means. What does that look like? What kind of assets do you need? How does something mm-hmm. go live that quickly? Mm-hmm. But I think, the kind of growth that you see with that is learning how to deal with certain teams and learning how to deal with certain people. So the growth on my team, I always tell, especially um, the part-time staff that we have, when you first come onto the team, I only expect you to love music and be passionate about learning it. Mm. I want you to have as many relationships as possible. And then I want you to be able to actively tap into them. Mm. Everything else, I can't teach you personality, but I can teach you strategy. Right. I can Mm -hmm. teach you how to, okay, when we want to reach out to this person, let's reach out to them like this. Why don't you send me a draft of an email that you would send to that client? Let's look it over together and I'll tell you how I would change it or how I would, you know, what I would choose to bring into the conversation initially. And then let's see where the conversation goes from there. Feel free to CC me for any questions. I'm going to let you lead. But on the back end, I'm going to say, okay, they just reached out to you and said X, Y, and Z. Why don't we respond and suggest this? Or how about now's the time to bring in this offering that we have? Right. So really, it's like back-end leading that you really begin to see their growth. Because without them actually doing it, right? It's like, and if you want to do something, you just got to go out and do it. But yeah. how many times do you actually get the opportunity to do it? Mm-hmm. So I can guide them to say like, 
okay, this is how you should approach it, or this is how I would approach it. Um, that's what I really see them take off. It's literally um, one of my favorite things to see somebody come on and then really start to see their leadership. And then before you know it, they're like first in line, um, you know, and getting offers left and right for this business. And they're <laughs> awesome. and now they're managing this artist and now they're working on this A&R team and now they're, you know, running digital at this label. It's, it's really cool to see that kind of growth. But I think it comes from how much time and energy we actually spend on the detail. Like down to the, I, I will literally say, please write the email, screenshot it and send it to me. And I will send you back <laughs> my red line, mm-hmm. right? Like down to the smallest thing or put me on the Zoom with them and let me intro you and jump in. But I'm going to be supportive. I'm not going to be rude. I'm going to be edifying, right? Edification right. goes a long way. If I'm here as your support system, then all I'm doing is uplifting you so that this client or this artist trusts you. Right. So now you're, I'm building up your rapport, but then you're also learning to trust me that we can, we can do this better as a team. And then I really see that growth. So we've seen people, for instance, the person who leads content for 1824 was our first hire as a content rep. We didn't know necessarily what that meant, but we needed, we needed somebody that could shoot content, edit it, film it, be with an artist, do a day to day, day in the life of peace if they came to his city. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, we started hiring more and more. Then we were like, wait a minute, we need a full-time person to lead this up and hire more um, animators and directors and filmmakers on a regular basis. So now he got on our team. Then we were able to promote him to lead an entire squad, have an assistant, et cetera. So watching even his growth, right? Being able to not necessarily just see somebody grow and go off into the industry, but be able to provide opportunity internally for our team. We started off when I came to the company, we were four people. Now we're 14, just on the management side, wow. right? I went from having one person on my team to having four. So there's, I've, I've witnessed the growth just by being able to say, if I, if I give in and pour into this person and lead with mentorship, with the knowledge that I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see this person grow for sure. And I, but not on the film side. I have no director skills. What, right? <laughs> like I've been on music video sets with our team, and I can say a little things here and there, and they're like, you know, Bet Reby, that was great. I appreciate that. <laughs> but by no means am I developing treatments, right? Mm-hmm. Like I wish right. I had that eye. But right. we all work together in a way that, like, if they're leading content and this person's leading press and this this person is leading influencer outreach, I can help um, develop this strategy for it. Right. Love that. So as, as we kind of come to a, a close, I mean, this kind of sums it all up and you already alluded to some of it in kind of the past answers and whatnot. But so we do have a, a patron who is an artist, uh, David Lee, check him out on Spotify, D-A-V-I-D-L-Y. We got to plug our community oh, wow. out here on the podcast. Okay. Um, so he, he asked the question, since working with new and developing artists, as well as, I mean, seeing and working with much more established artists, what do you think drives the most traction when building their music into an actual career and kind of going from that, like the the zero to 10 in their career? What drives the most traction for developing artists into their career? Um, I would say with, especially this day and age, like even when we're developing plans, if the artist is involved, as I was talking about earlier, and you can't give me anything about you or your music or who you think would enjoy it, you're making it a little bit harder for everybody. If you can, as a, as a developing artist, start to figure out, like when I play shows or when I put this music out here, I'm noticing my following is this. 
You know, who are your followers? Go check them out. If somebody likes this video of you, click on them. Who are they? What do they do? What do they like? What's in their bio? Begin to develop a sheet for yourself. Being an artist is also understanding like, where should you play a gig? You would do the same thing if we didn't have IG, right? Or if we didn't have any kind of social platform. So dig into, and you don't have to be a marketer. You can still be a creative because I know that there's a fine line, but I would dig into developing who your fan is so that you can actually build traction. Cause you might be playing shows at 3 PM or going live at a certain time, but really your fan base is wide awake at 2 AM. Maybe you need to switch, switch up right. your timing a little bit. I remember a guy, one of my management professors, when I was doing music business, he always used to say, you know, music is one of those great things that you don't necessarily have to work nine to five. Maybe you're a, a, an 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. kind of person. Well, mm-hmm. then maybe you need to work for an Australian uh, Australian company and be based in the U.S. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to start helping out bands that are overseas because then your timeline is lined up with theirs. Mm-hmm. So learn how your abilities can start to line up. So maybe this, you know, how do they analyze when they're playing, when they're going live, if it's virtual, you know, where are they playing, who that fan is. Um, and then who are, are there, are there any people who are writers who are following you? How do you build traction that way? If somebody's following you was like, yo, I like that. Hey, you know, I'd love to send you some of my music. Let me know what you think. Or if you want to, if you want to write up instead of waiting for people to reach out to you, I think the way to build traction is to like build a relationship with the people who are already following. You. Right. I was a writer myself, but I didn't have a blog or a magazine or anything like that, but I had friends and I liked a lot of their stuff. And if they asked me to write something for them, sure, send it through. And I used right. to do that all the time while I was in, especially while I was in college. Let me just write a little blurb on you. And then you can send that to the local paper or you can use it as a quote, you know, a quote sheet when you're sending it out. This person said that they liked X, Y, and Z. Build your own quote sheet, right? right. So I think you build traction by by digging into who, who is your actual following or who do you want your following to be? And then be able to target your, your, um, your deliverables that way, whether it's like when you drop an asset or when you go live or what kind of fashion are you wearing? Who are you teaming up with? The, being able to dig into some of the finite details, I think will help build traction easier than people think because you're hitting it on the head for people and making it personal. Right. I think the personal part goes a lot further than people actually give credit. Right. I absolutely love that. Um, well, on that note, I mean, finishing with the bang right there. I like it. Um, I mean, super grateful for having you on. I think uh, you shared a lot of really awesome advice and wisdom. And I think very excited to see what you continue to do um, yourself. So thank you so much for coming on, Rebe. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank yeah. You. Thank you, Jordan. I did live text our Discord and was like, y'all are going to like this one. So so our patrons our patrons are aware of this and that it's coming and getting people excited before it drops. So re- really excited for it to come out. Looking forward to it. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, this is not, this is, this might be virtual, but when we're back in person, Sam, and you return from the wilderness. We're all going to be person. I'm ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if y'all ready, Sam, but I'm Sam ready. ready. <laughs> Sam, Sam got his first shot of the vaccine today, and he told me a week ago that, yo, 
I'm going to be all vaxxed up and ready to turn up. That was the first thing he said. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. I'm taking so. that vaxxed up. Let me get vaxxed up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bro, yeah, we got vaxxed up. It's time, to, it's time to turn up, bro. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh my one, of my, one of my friends posted their vaccine thing today and was like, you know, hot boy summer ain't too far away. I like, We're about to be lit. Okay, uh-huh. so- let y'all close. I'm so sorry. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Oh, I love it. Thank Amazing. You. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank talk you, soon. Right. Bye, Jordan. Man, really loved hearing what you had to say, man. What stuck out to you, Jordan? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, managing creatives is, is is a super interesting thing to be able to do and how she props up her employees and the people that are under her. Um I think was super interesting to talk about um, whether she's redlining emails or putting them in situations that actually might seem scary at first, but cause them to grow. I also think that even the beginning of the interview where she goes over her values, you know, I pointed out in the interview, but, um, you know, being observing as much as you can, not only pay attention to the biggest stakeholders in the room, but the interns and trying to figure out how you can utilize everybody to the best of their ability Mm -hmm. um, was a value that we really hadn't heard before. And I, you know, I'm glad that she, she brought it up and I'm glad I was able to dissect it a little bit. What about you, Sam? Yeah, no, I mean, I loved how she goes about collaborating with teams and really enabling people to like step up and provide really thoughtful kind of creative ideas from brainstorming to tap tapping people. Um, yeah, really loved hearing that and just her approach to kind of personal development and operating well and effectively mm-hmm. within an organization. Really enjoyed that. So yeah. uh, let us know what y'all think as, as you guys are listening. Hit us up, slide up in the DMs at Music Business Podcasts across all socials except twitter where it's at the music business pod because somebody out here trying to board <laughs> and squat on music business podcast but, but one day we're gonna be big enough and we're gonna just buy them out <laughs> collectively um so yeah so hit us up at music business podcast on instagram exclusively and uh and we'll, we'll be back next week appreciate y'all